I'm Jolie, your branding badass. Welcome to my new podcast, Branding Matters. Before I tell you who my guest today is, I want to tell you a really quick story about how we met, or I should say how I discovered him. A couple years ago, I read this really great book called It's Not Who You Know, It's Who Knows You, a practical business guide to raising your profits by raising your profile. This book was so inspirational and it really helped propel my career and I often reference it whenever I do presentations. So when I decided to do this podcast, he was one of the very first people I thought of. His name is David Avron and he is the author of several books, including the one I just mentioned, as well as Visibility Marketing and his latest book, Why Customers Leave and How to Win Them Back, was named in Forbes as one of the seven business books entrepreneurs need to read. A former CEO group leader and executive coach with the world's largest chief executive organization, David has helped thousands of CEOs and business leaders with their brands. This rock star, yes, he used to be in a band, but we'll get to that. This rock star is one of the most in-demand customer experience and marketing keynote speakers and consultants in the world today. I invited David to be a guest on my show to discuss the recent shift in customer mindset and expectations. I also wanted to get his point of view on why customer experience is important to the success of a brand and why being good at what you do is no longer good enough. David, welcome to Branding Matters. You'd think that I wrote that myself. (laughs) Yeah, you would think. (laughs) You would think. Wow. You're so so generous. What what kind things to say about me. I spent hours wrote for you to say, there you go. Listen, we've been sort of following each other for some time and you know me and I know you and what a great opportunity for us to meet face to face and voice to voice and, and have a good conversation. So thanks for having me on the show. Well, you're welcome. And you know, I agree with you. It's funny you talk about following each other. It's funny how you can kind of get to know someone, I mean, on social media on a certain level, but you know, as you see them go through and that's a big part of why I wanted to do this podcast. It's a big passion passion project of mine is to sort of help people with their social media and their marketing and everything. Yeah. So. And you know, what's interesting is we sort of get to know each, I guess the parts of our lives that we want other people to know, but I think that's a big part of the whole branding as well as is, is, is being intentional about what you share. And it's not really about creating an image that's that's contrary to who you are. I mean, certainly authenticity is such a big part, but I've been accused of oversharing, but I love that line that says, if you want people to be interested, you have to be interesting. And so yeah. I work hard at, at the things that I share, the things that keep people engaged, right? It's all part of it. Right. So, I, well, you know, we know we've, we've been talking for a long time, you know, that people do business with people they like and people they know and people they trust. And I think the more authentic you are in your sharing, I think it draws people in. I think it, it drew us to each other. So we've, we've sort of been fans from afar. <laughs> well, that's very nice of you to say, and I agree. So speaking of being authentic and getting to know you, who is the real David Avram? You know, before we get into talking about branding and all your incredible expertise and tips that you're going to share, I, I'd like to for people to get to know and myself a little bit, know about who is the person behind the personality, who is- What makes him tick? We'll what makes him that. tick, exactly. And take your calls when we come back right now. <laughs> you know, where, where, I mean, where are you from? Can you give us a really yeah. quick synopsis? You know, I, I live just south of Denver, Colorado in, in Castle Rock, which is kind of nice being sort of centrally located because I travel around the world. I've spoken in 24 countries and being able to go most places with maybe one connection, I think, makes it real easy. But, you know, I'm somebody who grew up 
as a performer, which was which is kind of interesting. So, and I know that your family has a little bit of that love and background as well. <laughs> I acted, I I sang, I sang in a band. I I went to college on a full ride theater scholarship, and so way back. Oh, I didn't know you went on a scholarship. 18, you must be 18. really good. Well, you know, <laughs> you know I, I think it was more the fact that they looked at me and said, "Oh, we've got somebody to play our old authority figure." Oh. But, you know, I was 19 years old with the deep voice. And, you know, as they're mm-hmm. putting on shows, it's like, well, who's going to play, you know, the 70-year-old? Who's going to play the 50-year-old? And so, oh, we got somebody with a deep voice. So it was kind of oh, funny. funny. And then after a few years, I realized that I didn't want to be doing community theater in God's Wrath, Iowa, when I'm 60 years old. Yeah, right. And so I actually need to support a wife and family. So I actually changed my major and ended up studying broadcast journalism. So when you have a deep voice, people are like, wow, you should be in radio. So I went and worked <laughs> at the radio. I did local radio in college and then uh, and broadcast. So I was sort of do, did news writing and all of that. And then when I left school, I actually went to my friends in the media. They said I, I went to the dark side and I became a PR flack. And so I spent <laughs> many of my years in public relations and marketing. And I sort of honed my skills in how do we communicate who we are and what we do in a meaningful and profound way that actually spurs some level of action. So that was sort of my my formative years. And then ultimately after 9-11, when everything kind of went to hell, I realized- Do you remember where you were 9-11, speaking of 9-11? Oh, yeah. Um, I was, I'm trying to think- <laughs> I was actually on the road. Totally off topic, but no, yeah. no, no. It, it's, it's interesting, <laughs> yeah, it's isn't just, it? Yeah. Um, I was actually traveling around the state of Colorado with my assistant. We were each in our own hotel rooms doing research for one of my clients for the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. They were doing some education on on chewing tobacco, and we were actually going around interviewing people oh, okay. uh, on public education. And I remember my my wife calling and saying, "Turn on the TV," and so. But that was where my early years was sort of helping organizations differentiate themselves. So I was getting clients on Good Morning America and Today Show and Oprah and Sports Illustrated and everything else. And did you meet Oprah? I did not, but I had oh. great opportunities of working with the teams to, oh, amazing. Uh, to, to pitch my clients. Yeah. And so ultimately, I, I just realized I, I love doing this so much, but I found out there's an opportunity to teach others how to do this. And so I started speaking and I realized that, you know, you can actually get paid to speak to organizations and teach them what you know. And so 2001, I think was my first paid presentation. And so in the last 20 years, I've done it thousands of times to that many organizations in 24 countries. And so it's just been a really remarkable opportunity for me to connect with organizations of every kind and help their people better differentiate themselves to talk about us the way we want them to talk about us. And that's what led to my most recent book, which is why customers leave and how to win them back. And now where I think we're in, we'll have our sixth language in Vietnamese, it's in Chinese, it's in Spanish, it's in Russian. That's it's incredible. Crazy, yeah, it's fun. That's great. Look, I want to go back. You know, you talk about your theater. It's funny how you go sort of, if you look at sort of the, the journey of your life and how you were in theater and you did really well, and now you're a speaker. I mean, talk about taking all those transferable skills from theater Absolutely. to now being a public speaker. What would you say were the best things that you learned that you now use today in your career? Well, you know, it, it, I think it's it's valuable for anybody. And that's why things like Toastmasters and things like that, anybody who can stand and deliver their their thoughts, their ideas in front of a group of people. It doesn't mean everybody's going to be a professional speaker, but even in the work setting, to be able to sit around a conference table and effectively sell your ideas verbally 
is an important skill set. Being persuasive is a really crucial skill set in the workplace. If you want to be more than that worker bee, and there's nothing wrong with being a worker bee, we need we need that as much, if not more, than than those who are leading as well. But if you're looking to work your way up, even from a personal branding perspective, being seen as somebody who can effectively and articulately persuade and deliver their content and their message and their ideas is an incredibly valuable skill set. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and you talk about how you say about people talking about you and teaching your customers that skill. I mean, really, isn't that what we talk about, what a brand is about? And we've mentioned this before. I mean, your brand is your reputation. It's what people say about you when you're not in the room, right? I think Jeff, Jeff Bezos coined that phrase. So that goes back to the whole branding aspect of it. I think when we do it on a high level, we do a great job it actually encourages people to talk about us and to become advocates for us online. Otherwise, it's Yelp, it's TripAdvisor, it's Rotten Tomatoes, it's Glassdoor, it's all of those yeah. um, social proof sites. We know that people who are pissed off are going to share that information, right? <laughs> so it, it's always going to be skewed a little bit negative. When you do exactly what you're supposed to do, exactly the way they expect you to do it, you have met their needs. It's not really to such an extent that they're willing to go out and become advocates for you. And to sing your praises, you kind of have to be better than that. You have to be better than meeting expectations. And so a lot of my message is about how do we become extraordinary, right? How do we become remarkable? As Seth Godin talks about it, right, in in Purple Cow, being remarkable means that you're worthy of being remarked about. What are you doing in your business, in your personal and professional life that would cause somebody to talk about you to someone else? You know, you talk about in your book, being good is no longer good enough. Right. Do you want to elaborate on that? I think it's it's the entry fee. I mean, today I I still hear sometimes I'll keynote a conference. And of course, I'm doing a lot of things virtually live and then, of course, in person live. But sometimes before I get up, a CEO will give his presentation to the organization and get them all worked up and do a state of the company. But so often they say things like, and listen, friends, remember, at the end of the day, it's about quality. And, And I'm like, no, it's. At the beginning of the day, it's about quality. Quality is incredibly important, but that's not a differentiator. That's the entry fee. You better be good at what you do or or you can't even compete. So at the beginning of the day, it's about quality. At the end of the day, it's about competitive advantage. At the end of the day, it's not what do you do well? What do you do better than others who do it well? So as to go back to your point, uh, being good isn't good enough. I mean, it's it's just the entry for you. You have to be good because if you aren't, then you'll yeah. be outed very yeah. quickly. Like yeah. I said, it's the Yelp, it's the TripAdvisor and all Underperformers are outed on social media. You used to be able to get away with it. You know, back in, in yesteryear when we all grew up in business, Jolie, with this what we used to call guest relations philosophy. That's what they call it, guest relations philosophy. And it went something like this, right? The average person with a positive experience will tell two or three people, but somebody with a negative experience will tell 10. And everybody's like, oh, it's like, are you kidding me? Today, they tell thousands. Today, they tell millions. So the ramifications of underperforming today are profound. You can't get away away with anything. So at the very least, you got to be great. But- my whole thing, and I know your message as well, is about being worthy of being talked about. Oh, for sure. You know, brand. Yeah, absolutely. 
But you know what? You put a tweet on Twitter. This is a true story. I had an issue. I'm not going to say any names with a company. I'll say the names. You can no, say No, no, no. And, you know, and, and I was very generous and very gracious the way I said it. But I just said, so by the way, I just noticed this, this, this. And I tagged them in my tweet. I'm not even kidding. Within like 30 minutes, somebody, they, they, they oh, yeah. replied back and they said, we're going to deal with it. And then they replied back again. And I had this whole tweet back and forth with this company that it got resolved, you know, and that way I said, you know, who needs customer service? You tweet it, they're going to get back to you like that. Absolutely. Well, and you know, it goes back to, there's actually a whole lineage to this. It goes back to the old United Breaks Guitars. And if you're familiar with the story, and a lot of people, all you have to do is, for everybody listening, just go on YouTube and search United Breaks Guitars. So there was a scenario, it was probably 10 years ago now, where this guy in a band, literally, they broke his guitar. And he went through such horrible an ordeal to try and get somebody to pay attention to him and to do right by him. That finally, with his band, they wrote a song called United Breaks Guitars, and they put it online, and they got millions and millions <laughs> of views, right? You know, like I said, if you, if you, you know, if you think this doesn't get spread, just drag yeah. a paying customer off your airplane. Yeah. You know, you think that United would learn. Because of that, all you have to do is you have a problem, you just hashtag United. Somebody will get back to you within 60 seconds. Oh, I'm sure. And that's how fast. They have people who are, because they know that every minute that goes by, it gets shared and it gets spread. Yeah. And that, that it it is the damage can be profound. That, that sure. one incident where they dragged that poor guy off the airplane because he didn't want to get oh, off yeah. the paid, right? paid for him. See, that cost them tens of millions of dollars. They could have paid that guy 10 grand to go take another flight, but it's because of what happens online. So I think it's incumbent upon us as business leaders, as professionals, to be very clear at eliminating points of friction because people will share it with everyone. Absolutely. And you know, on the positive side to that, just as much as people share the negative, they will gladly share the positive. There's yeah. no better PR. This is another story. I know someone who went to a restaurant and they were just having a business lunch and the manager came over afterwards and said, you know what? We got your lunch. It's covered. And they both went, no, we're good. We got it. And they're like, no, you know, it's tough times right now. And we just appreciate your business. So we got your lunch. Well, do you know how many times that story has been shared to so many people that are now going to that restaurant? You can't buy that kind of publicity. I saw something online the other day that Burger King tweeted something and, and basically said the title of, of the post, I think it was a blog post, and then it got shared everywhere else. It said, please buy from McDonald's. <laughs> really? And, yeah. And when you read it, it says, and go through the drive through at KFC and Taco Bell. Nobody, we need your help as an industry. We need wow. you to support us during this pandemic. Of course, a brilliant marketing. Yeah, of course. Story, right? Great marketing. Because they, get, yep. because they get credit for being altruistic of saying, listen, support our industry, even if you support our competitors and all of those as well. It goes back to the whole line that says, if you want people to talk about you, give them something to talk about. Do something that's that's extraordinary, that's out of the ordinary. And it's not about one-offs. I mean, my whole thing with customer experience is it's not about wow moments. I think if you can create them, that's great. Those will, those will spread. But sometimes today, it's just being remarkably easy to do business with. People want to get, get sure. them in and out of there quickly and they love you. And sometimes, you know, you talk about the wow moments. I mean, wow moments don't have to be fireworks and big things. They can be little right. things. You know, I recently sent a little thank you card to a lot of my customers with a little gift in it. And it was little, like a little something. And I'm getting thank yous for the thank you card, right? Like yeah. crazy. Because it's out of the ordinary, right? It's the things that, that people are no longer doing can bring you great attention. Yeah. One, of the things, one of the great ways to make customers happy is to offer things that your competitors no longer do. Right. You see that on like Southwest Airlines, right? The things that everybody else, they don't have blankets, they don't have 
drinks. They don't have or food or whatever else. And sometimes, or even free bags for crying out loud. Uh, some <laughs> no of those kidding. kinds of things, they can be extraordinary because you're yeah. doing what other people don't. You look at the grocery stores now, they try and they try and the social engineering, they're trying to push you to self-checkout and everything else. I, I was at Walmart, because uh, there's one close to my house. I got a, a shopping cart full of groceries, overfilling at the top. I get to the front and the manager tries to direct me to self-checkout. I'm like, oh, sorry, I don't work here. You know, I'm not being demeaning. I'm bad at this. I'm like, <laughs> there is never an item that is I'm just lazy. An, an unexpected <laughs> item in the bagging area. What will take me an hour, they could do in five minutes. But they'll come back and they'll say, no, no, but we give our customers choices. It's not a choice. Come on. We yeah. have one staffed lane with nine carts and 28 self-checkout. It's social engineering. I mean, one of the biggest mistakes, and it's in my book, Why Customers Leave, is companies that try to push you to do business with them the way they want you to do business with them. And the smart companies will do business the way you want to do business with them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, you know, you talk about in your book where you say, don't treat me like I want to be treated, treat me like you want to be treated. Right, exactly. Well, I mean, we grew up with the golden rule from mom and dad, from yeah. businesses, you do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Just treat people like you want to be treated. As if it's that simple. I got a 17-year-old son. He's working. His manager tells him, just treat people like you want to be treated. And he thinks his job is done. Well, guess what? I'm not a 17-year-old boy. Yeah. I'm a 57-year-old old guy who probably just got off three airplanes. 57 isn't old, by the way, so you've got to take just, that back. I'm just saying, I'm just We're saying. almost the same age. <laughs> but I, I just got off 32 hours coming back from Dubai, and I walk in the restaurant. I don't want to be treated like he wants to be treated. I want to be treated no like kidding. I want to be treated. So yeah. I love the, the platinum rule. And the platinum rule says, do unto others as they would have done unto themselves. In other words, don't treat them like you want to be treated. Treat them like they want to be treated. Yeah. And for that, it requires some work. You got to look deeper to become customer-centric, which is not customer-focused. Everybody's customer-focused. But customer-centric means that you really take the time to understand your customer on a deeper level. What so what is the difference? That's want. a good point. What is it between customer-focused well, and customer-centric? Well, it, it's it's almost the difference between customer service and customer experience. You know, customer service, we get that, right? It's just, we've been talking about for 30 years. You treat people well, right? Yeah. Customer experience is different. How does it to do business with you? How easy is it to re reach a real person? How intuitive? How flexible are you? Customer focus just means everything we do. We hear this all the time from leaders. Listen, for us, it's all about the customer. What the hell does that mean? Yeah. I mean of course, you're in business. Who else is it about, right? For us, the customer comes first. Before what? Yeah. Before lunch? Yeah. Before, I mean, <laughs> Of course, the customer. Yeah, it's, just, exactly. it's, a mean, it's a meaningless phrase for us. Our customer comes first. You're in business. That's just stupid. I mean, yeah. of course it does. But customer centric is different. It just means product centric means that we're really good at what we do. That's sort of the basis. But customer centric means we're we're not only are we good at what we do, but we so understand our customers on a deeper level. We understand their pressures. We understand their choices. We understand what a day in the life of our customer looks like. We understand who they report to. What are their constraints, the things that they would love if we would do, because it would it would make their life easier, mm -hmm. the things that they fear in terms of our underperformance. We all have gravitated towards the demographics and the psychographics. But if you look deeper into what's happening in particular communities and what's happening within industries, if you're selling B2B, what are some of the pressures? You know, during the pandemic, everybody's really cognizant of what this time has meant for them and their business and their families. But the smart companies are becoming very clear of what this has meant to their customers and their pri shifting priorities and their preferences and their constraints and their fears, because that influences yeah. how they buy and who they buy from. That's customer you know, 
If, absolutely. And, you know, you hear this phrase, and I'm sorry if I'm going to offend people out there, but, you know, we're all in this together. And I, I sort of have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with that because yeah. reality is, you know, you see these influencers or these celebrities and they're on their yachts drinking their champagne and you see the headline, we're all in this together, you know, and then there's a single mom with two kids and she's not working. And how is that in it together? Right? We're not all in this together. First yeah. of all, we are you politically know? divided in, in a major oh. way. But also in terms of the, the winners and losers and the haves and haves nots are profound. I mean, I, I call this sort of the uh, the employment lottery. You know, if you're working for a company that makes, you know, protective equipment <laughs> and webcams, you've done pretty darn well. Yeah. During this I've never time. sold so many masks in my life to Sephora. I'm telling you, if you're a performer, yeah. if you are in the meetings industry and hotel and travel and and conventions and floral and Terrible. weddings. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think chiropractors, anything oh, yeah. that requires some some measure of proximity, it has well, been devastating. Well, Broadway, I think, is like on oh, the verge it's, of it's bankruptcy, right? It's all been yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But even the ones that are highly engaging, the Chuck E. Cheeses and all those other kind of things, as the father of you know, five, it's it's I'm I'm so glad that I'm You're done. You're not in that phase anymore. But, oh, I'm so done with <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese and Barney and everything oh, else. Oh yeah. But, but it's just devastating. And we aren't all in the same position. And then the yeah. other thing we're seeing, and I'm actually sending something out, sort of a, a message to all of my people saying, it's also not the time to gloat. You know, there are people who have had great success, but nobody wants to hear of your plenty yeah. in the time when they are feeling a great need. So this yeah. is also a good time to reach out. But that goes back to the whole service empathy. It goes back to customer centricity is that we have to be really, really cognizant of what people are going through and the better we can align how we do business and what we sell and how we sell it to the way that they need it. There's that magic nirvana right now in terms of success in business. If we are of service product centric, ask the question, how much stuff can we sell them? Nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's, that's commerce, but customer centric says, how many ways can we improve their life? You know, it's not about being altruistic and in lieu of money. I'm saying, but if we're really clear on what we can do to help them, and maybe helping them just means getting them in and out faster. We can make money. They get their needs met. For sure. And, and there's a connection there. You talk about that in your book, Why Customers Leave and How to Win Them Back. The story about, I think it was the tailor the, talking to his son. And he's like, I'm not selling her what I want to sell her. I'm selling her what she wants, she needs to buy. You know, right. even if it's underselling, some people think, well, why don't you try to do this? Like, no, she doesn't need that. Like, why would I, right. why the hell would it's I tell her to buy long, this? Right. It's taking a long view. I mean, are you in this for the long term or do you want to? you want to achieve the short sale. When you look at what do they call it? LTV, lifetime value of a customer, that's significant. You can sell them to them once or you can sell it to sell them for years and years. Absolutely. The more they realize that you get them and that you are have their best interest at heart, then you yeah. build a relationship that can can last long term. Now some things are transactional, right? These whatever you the, the stuff that you buy at the at the counter at the at the gas station. I had a client once who sold little tchotchkes and stuff that you buy at the counter of a convenience store and they called them shut up toys. And <laughs> I said, what's that? And it's like, here, just shut up. Yeah, just, totally. Is that oh, yeah. great? Uh, absolutely. But, that's, a but great. That, that, that's a transaction and that's different yeah. than a relationship. Some models that's, are transactional. The yeah. best ones are relational and you do absolutely. a good job and you continue to meet their needs and you can sell to them for a long time. Absolutely. I think brands go for any person, whether it's personal or business. And sure. I have a story about a friend of mine. This is a true story where she was having some mental challenges, which a lot of people are right now struggling. Right. And she was seeing a bunch of different therapists over the years and was never really happy with any of them and really 
really was struggling. And then now she has someone that she really likes. And I asked her, I said, so how's it going? And how do you like her? And she goes, you know what? I, I really like her. I think I'm going to stay. And I said, well, what makes her different than all, like, all the other ones. Good question. And yeah. you know what she said? Because I feel like she really cares. I feel like she really cares about me and really cares about my problems. And I was thinking that is universal. When you are working with a business, when I work with clients, I'm sure you're the same. When they feel that you really care, I mean, they're, they're yours for life. And I concur 100%. But here's where I think companies get this wrong. They incorporate that into their marketing messaging. Like, see what it's like to do business with people who really care about it's absolutely ineffective. Caring and the demonstration of that is a retention tool, mm-hmm. not an attraction tool. It's what keeps people there. It keeps people loyal. Yeah. They don't come to you because you care more. They don't believe that you care more than anybody else, but it doesn't mean it's unimportant, right? But they stay. So the messaging to attract somebody for the first time is often very different or needs to be different than what it takes to retain people, right? It's the old line that when somebody goes to a hardware store to buy a drill, what's their need, right? Their need isn't a drill. The need is a hole. They need a hole. The drill is just the best tool to make it happen, right? right? But why does somebody go for the first time? They go for the first time because it's in proximity, because they saw an ad, because they saw it online. But why do they come back? They come back because they know the store, right? Because they can get in and out quickly, because they have a comfort level that this is my hardware store or something else. But the first time that you attract people, it's a different message. What does it take for somebody to try you for the first time? So I love the story about that person who cares, but it really highlights the importance of what does it take to retain your customers and clients? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I want to talk more about your book because there are so many things in it. Such a fantastic book. Did I mention the name? Why Customers Leave and How to Win Them Back? There you go. By the way, we're talking to David Averin. David Averin, the the author. author (laughs) Why Customers Leave. Sorry, is is this your podcast? No, I don't. (laughs) I know you have a podcast coming up. I want it's to hear the old radio <laughs> guy. It's the radio guy in me. I, just... I want to talk about, because this is something you mentioned in your book that a lot of people talk about is websites and why websites are so important and how they can turn you off and how you can actually lose business with your website. Can you elaborate a bit on that? There there was a time that when you had a a new website, it was a big deal and people sent out press release. And now not having a website is, is more newsworthy than having one. But there's been a big shift in, in what it used to be like it needed to be comprehensive, like everything that you have. It's a it's a really robust website. It's got multiple pull downs, everything you've ever written, everything you say about yourself. And, and then there was that animated flash video at the beginning in the bottom corner. It said click to skip. Right. And 100 percent of people <laughs> skipped it because nobody wanted to see your little animation that built your logo. Even you skipped your own. Right. Well, now they're so stripped down. Almost everything you need is on the front page because the website doesn't need to do everything. It just needs to give them enough information to get them to call or to reach out or to talk to a real person. Now, if you have an e-commerce site, it's a little bit different, right? You've got to be able to do that stuff. But what's the most trafficked website in the world? Well, it's Google. How complicated <laughs> is their website, right? There's almost nothing there. So what we're seeing is a real trend towards everything that they need on the front page, not huge amounts. I mean, I've got content on mine. Most people aren't going to read it. It's there in case they want it. But my whole goal is to get them, because I speak for a living, is to get them to, to click on my video, to watch a demo of me presenting, or to get them on the phone. I mean, that's it. And if it doesn't do that then it's extraneous. And the more complicated, the more people can't find what they're looking for, the quicker they, they click away because they can. 
And so, but I'll talk to people that say, I couldn't find, oh, it's really easy. So it, it's just go along the top. It's the third, the third thing over, <laughs> click on that. It's the second from the bottom, click that. Drop like, down yeah. window. <laughs> but but you, you designed that. Yeah. I, I don't, don't make me look for stuff because I won't. Part of my message all the time is your biggest source of lost revenue in your business. For everybody listening, your biggest source of lost revenue is the customer you never knew about. They came to the site and exactly. they clicked away and they didn't do it because it was hard to find or the worst mistake. And this gets me on my, my soapbox, <clears throat> the biggest mistake the organizations make, and it pisses me off and it pisses everybody else off. You ever go to a website, Julie, where you, uh, you have a question, just a simple question. There is no phone number. There is no freaking phone number. You're like, you're going page after page. Like where's, there's no freaking phone number. They Contact made, us. And then they made a conscious them. decision that they were not going to let their customers call them. What do they do? They put a contact form, a horrible contact form, which drives away more business than your worst employee. And I saw somebody had a presentation. They said that 86% of people won't fill out a contact form. And I got clients who say, people fill out my form. You have no idea how many people didn't because it literally, it is, it is voicemail of the internet. We don't leave voicemail messages because we don't know who's going to get them. We don't know when they're going to respond. Oh, yeah. But people put contact forms instead of phone numbers. And then they say, oh, it's great. We can uh, capture their information, right? Now we can market to them later. We're not bothered by those pesky phone calls from clients, really from your customers, those pesky phone calls, or we can ask some pre-qualifying questions, right? Now we can yeah. tailor our response. We just like, we can't find somebody who's go to somebody else. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, I, I think when it's during the and you have a question I think like you were talking about I mean same thing when you have clients and you work with people all over the world and it's you happen to be up and it's after hours of course right. I mean that's a great thing but if it's during the day and you just have a quick question and there's no phone number and you have no way of oh, content and, oh, and the so only thing I mean you talk about your book about you know one of your chapters is about you know don't be hard to reach right it's mind-boggling that, that people are they they have this a billion dollar brand and it's hard to talk to a real person. Do oh. they really think that? I mean, I think they think in many cases they've created the cure for cancer that tastes like chocolate and that they're so good that people are going to hold oh, for, yeah, I know. for 45 minutes. Listen, your call is very important to us. Listen to flute music. <laughs> 45 minutes. I mean, you're you're well, touching on, I think, a lot of people's pain points. Oh, everybody hates that. Everybody hates it. It's horrible. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you uh, another thing I want to talk about this, I love this title of your um, chapter here where you say, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. Yeah. Can you elaborate I, on I that? Love that? Well, but I'm going to tell you as, <laughs> as a sidebar, Yeah. I had a big fight with my publisher over that title and how offensive. I said, it's not offensive. It's all, it's Why? Because you said pee? Yeah. Don't pee oh. on my leg and tell me it's raining. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny. I've never talked about this on there. But yeah, I got a big fight. They thought it was crude. Oh, listen, I can go farther than that. I think it's pretty tame. But the whole point of the chapter was just tell us the truth. We're not stupid. You know, our customers are pretty savvy. If there's something, if you're having challenges with this, or oh, yeah, we sent out that check yesterday. Well, if you didn't, then just be honest. Sorry, somebody's been out of the office. We've got a cash flow. I mean, at least give me honest information that we can work with that. But there's so many people who try to spin. And I think we're just becoming a lot more savvy to spin. So there's just a whole chapter of just be straight, be honest, fall on your sword when you've done something wrong. Absolutely. When, when the CEO of, of United Airlines goes on and after another screw up and says, this is not who we are. Well, it is who you well, are. Exactly. You guys are the who ones who it? did it. 
over and over. And I got to tell you, I'm a, I'm a million miler, 1K, everything with United. I am rooting for United. But as many times as some of these companies screw up and they, they say, we, we are, this is not who we are. Well, it is. In the future, be somebody different. But just be honest. Yeah. And I think to elaborate on that, when you're dealing with customers and you're working on projects and things and everything is going smoothly, it's easy, right? And you're, you're loving yeah. your job and everything. But when things screw up, which happens to everybody, and then you either just own it and say, yeah, I messed up because of this, this, this versus making up stories and, you know, giving them like BS. You're going to figure it out. Absolutely. And then it all goes back. People are way more thankful when you are honest and that trustworthy thing about people like to do business with people that they know, like, and trust. Well, they're going to trust you and they're going to know that if something happens, you're going to tell them versus like, yeah, I don't know if I believe her. And then you've just now severed a potential good long relationship. Especially if it's in alignment with who you are. When you, let's get back to brand. Your brand is your reputation and that it yep. comes over time. It comes from consistency. It's saying who you are. It's living up to it on a regular basis. It's being clear and bold with your differentiators. It's living up to it. And so that when there is a screw up, it's seen as an anomaly. It's seen as an outlier, especially if you own up to it. But if you are not in alignment with who you are and there's inconsistency because you have you failed to create internal systems that create that level of consistency of deliverability and, and everything else, then people are going to be suspect, right? Yeah. People don't want to screw up. They don't want to make a bad decision in their purchasing. And if they don't know what they're going to get, then that becomes a real barrier to loyalty. Absolutely. And loyalty is huge. I mean, when yeah. I try to meet new customers or trying to grow my business and someone tells me that they have someone that they work with and they have this loyalty, I say to them, I said, you know what? I respect loyalty because I love that I have my loyal clients because that is yeah. like gold. But it also guards against others who will try and steal them away. Oh, exactly. That's They're what I mean. committed to you, right? Yeah. And everybody's trying to, in most cases, we talk about customer acquisition. In most cases, it's not customer acquisition. It's customer conversion. Most people are working with somebody. Absolutely. In marketing, we're trying to convince them to stop buying the way they're currently buying and start buying with us. That's hard. And so one of the ways you guard against that churn, as we say in the industry, that those people who leave you for a competitor is by over-delivering and being- Treating your customers well. Treating treating them great. That was going to bring me to the toaster story in your book that I thought was pretty much sums up what we're talking about. Yeah, what we, we tend to do is we, we tend to do a lot for clients and, and customers in the wooing phase. It's like dating. Right, we're, right, we're, we're trying to attract them. We put on our best. And then as soon as they're clients, we spend, as organizations, spend so much money on the acquisition part, on sales, and very little on customer service, on keeping them happy. So there's this story I recounted when I was a kid. I remember I was probably six or seven or whatever. I remember going into a, a bank with my dad, and that was back when they had this stand with premiums, if anybody, you know, my age remembers this. And there was a toaster on the stand. And I asked my dad, I said, what's that toaster for? He said, it's a gift that they give to people who open a new account. And I said, cool. I said, do we get a, do we get a toaster? And he says, no, that's just for new customers. I said, well, what do we get? And he kind of shrugged. He says, (laughs) right. Yeah, no, that sums it up. A lot to attract, and we we love new customers. But how much are we? It's one of the exercises when I go and I consult with clients, and I spend a full day of a variety of exercises. And one of them is about what are we doing to continue to woo our customers at three months, at a year, because there's no shortage of companies that would love to take your long-term clients and turn them into their first-time clients. Absolutely, and they do it by wooing them away, and they do it. Because we take our customers for granted. We think they love us. They're going to stay. And we've stopped loving them up. We've stopped dating them and courting them. Right? Well, that's what I was saying. I wasn't kidding when I said it's like a relationship, right? When you first start dating and you're looking good and you're treating your 
per, the person you're trying to woo all nice. And then once you have them, you're like, okay, I'm good now. <laughs> you know, the, so the relationship falls apart. And I mean, really business, we're people and we're relationships and that's what it's all about. And I think it's mindful of that. And, and yeah. uh, it's important to treat everybody in your, who you have relationships. I've with. learned to never stop bringing my wife flowers. Yeah, that's beautiful. Let well, as... somebody else bring her flowers. <laughs> that yeah, ain't going to happen. If she gets flowers from someone else, it won't matter because saying. she's loyal to you. So it's good. Go. So all that information is so great. And there's so much more to read in David Avid's book, Why Customers Leave and How to Win Them Back. I'm holding it up, but nobody can see it except for you. So I'm holding it up for you. Do you but can see that? Fortunately, <laughs> it's available on Amazon and everything else. Just look me up, David Averin, A-V-R-I-N. And That's books, great. everything else. This is my little mini commercial at the end. Okay, so well, we're not done yet. I have a couple oh. more things before I let you go. Unless you're in a rush here, I have. I am to... not. This okay. is my little mini commercial in the middle. We're talking. Once okay, again. We're... <laughs> this is David Arbus. Okay, I want to talk about your podcast because I saw yeah. a little birdie told me, and I was very excited to see that you're launching a new podcast. Tell us about it. Yeah, it's called the Customer Experience Advantage Podcast. Now, kind of a different philosophy. I had a podcast I was doing before, great conversations, and I realized I didn't want. Did to I inspire you? Be honest. <laughs> um, in everything that I do. okay. <laughs> no, I got a new one that's actually going to launch. And I guess it depends on when you're listening to this. You might be able to find that, but it's going to be on every major platform, podcast platform, video and audio as well. But I'm just interviewing CEOs from creative brands and companies about their unique engagement model. What do they see happening in the world? What's changed as, as a result of COVID? How are they engaging their customers? How do they prognosticate what's going to happen in the future? We've heard new normal, new next, touchless tomorrow. I think it's a great, a great line as well. Yeah. And so I've had the great fortune of, I've already started getting some interviews in the can, as we say in the industry, some very well-recognized brands. And so it's kind of great conversations uh, about people who are not just responding to the changes in the industry, but are leading in terms of how we're engaging delivery, curbside, online, intuitive you look at industries, even like banking. I mean, you used to talk to people in banking and finance and they'd say, you know, our biggest competitive advantage is this, you know, and they'd be pointing to their eyes that we know our customers by name. Well, what happens when 95% of your interaction and transactions don't involve a real person? How much stuff are we doing on our phone, right? Every time yeah. I get a check from a client, even when I'm on the road, I sit in the back of the Uber, I sign the back of the check, I take a picture of it and it's in. Nobody's asking me, so what are your plans for the weekend? Yeah. <laughs> right? That old yeah. bank trip. They're yeah. scrambling yeah. to understand how we're going to engage with them differently. And in many ways, the pandemic has accelerated what has long been predicted about how we're going to do business. And the pendulum will swing a little bit, but but the world has changed. Yeah. And so the fun thing about my podcast is that I'm having those conversations. What's changed? Where are things going? And how has it revolutionized your business model? I mean, I have my groceries delivered. I would Boy, never have done that before. I didn't crazy, even think eh? about that. It's awesome. Yeah. We go shopping on the iPad. Oh, like, I know. Oh, God, get the chocolate one. Get like 12. <laughs> I know. It could be dangerous actually the shopping online. Kids are going to eat them all easy. anyway when we get home, right? It's too easy. Get those, but let's hide them at the top of the pan. So do you, uh, do you have a name for this awesome podcast? Or it still... is. And you can see, it's just the Customer Experience Advantage Podcast with David Averin. Okay. So you can look it up Customer. everywhere and just search me online at David Averin. I can't wait. 
I can't yeah, wait. That's so exciting. Thank you for having me on yours. Oh, well, this I mean, I, I'm so honored. We're now friends um, for life. Okay, sure. before you go, I want to get back for a second to the musician, singer, theater guy, because that, as you know, that's in my family and I love it. So yes. tell everybody about your musical background and what you did. You know, it's, it's fun now as, a, as an old guy sitting in the car and kids oh. are like, oh, God, Dad, don't sing. Oh, God. I'm like, excuse me. People used to want daddy's autograph. Yeah, whatever, dad. No, I, I grew up singing, but I, you know, I had the, the deep voice. So it was my voice changed into high school and everything else. I was doing the musical. And then I started my own acapella group, sort of, if you've seen Pitch Perfect and all of that. I my kids have seen it like a million times. A million old, times. Because, well, you so, know, my son is yeah, as a performer too. as well. Yeah. yeah. And so what was fun for me is, so I did all that. And so I had a group called the Diners and in the 80s. And not only did I have a mullet, I had a permed mullet. That's the mullets are back 80s. in fashion, by the oh, way. Uh, please no. Please. I'm telling you, my ten, no. my he's 14 now. He just got a mullet. Oh, it's unfortunate. I'm not kidding. That's so just with withhold food, and maybe he'll come to us. No, season. he went and got it the other I'm day, just, and, and he just looks saying. no. But crazy. we we did great. We had CDs. We opened for Ray Charles. We just it was just great That's fun. Amazing. And then, the, but the real fun part was as my kids grew up watching them do it. And so I have a daughter now mm -hmm. who's 26. She's in Los Angeles, and she's in an all girl acapella group. And she sang with her her college group, and they've got they had CDs out, and so it's just kind of fun. Is it oh, it's amazing. Probably mostly it. due to the fact that I didn't play any instruments that made me gravitate towards towards. Okay, the so you know what I'm going to ask you now? Can no, you I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Can you sing us a few? No, dance? don't, don't. Nobody wants to hear that. No, you, you can get a good idea. Are you you sure? know, but I didn't, but I didn't sing words. You know, I was the guy doing the dim up, dim up, dim up, dim up, dim up, dim up, you know. That's great. You, and occasional you know, words, right? And, and occasional intro. And I would zone out. And everybody and just like, you know, looking around the room because I, you know, I don't have any words I have to remember anyway. So it's like the drummer. I love it. Do you remember the group? Sha was it Shanana or yeah. Sh yeah. Was that, is that remember? Yeah, you sound Bowser, like that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's who you sound like. That kind of stuff. I love yeah. it. Well, thank you for it doing that. Fun. I thought you to do it. That's great. So, David, time. if yeah. someone wants to learn more about you and about your books and your podcast and all your speaking, what is the best way for them to get a hold of you? It's it's everywhere. Just look me up online at davidavrin.com, spelled A V R I N. And there's YouTube. I have a really cool initiative called the Customer Experience Advantage Morning Huddle, where I, I lead a morning huddle virtually for organizations around the world. And that's at customerexperienceadvantage.com. Kind of a cool thing. So other than that, just look me up. <laughs>